This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. The unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle delivered in an entertaining, informative fashion that only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC Campfires is brought to you by DSC, the Dallas Safari Club, conservation, education, and hunter advocacy. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, the callingest call made. Double Nickel Taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now, here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Thank you, David Fox, for that introduction. Before we get into today's campfire, we have a special anniversary, if you will, or a special event coming up here toward the very beginning of July. We are going to be doing our 100th episode of what started out as DSC's Untamed Heritage, which has now become DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon. To commemorate this, I'm going to give away one of my custom knives. These are very limited edition. They have my name inscribed upon the blade. The scales of this particular knife that we're giving away is made from the horn of a buffalo that I shot in Australia. Now, all you have to do to enter the drawing is to go to my Instagram page. That is at Larry Wysoon Outdoors, and there leave a comment as to anything having to do with DSC's campfires, and uh, we'll get you entered, and then we'll draw a name on the 5th of July. The 5th of July, then we'll be in touch with you right after that. So, wish you the very best, and thank you for joining us all these many episodes, and then 
about time now that we got into the one that we got set up for you today. Welcome to the DSC campfire. I feel so very fortunate to be here with two very, very dear friends who become dear every time I get to spend time around them with, with Miss Stephanie and, and David Murphy. And thank you all so much, so much for being with me this morning. We're just coming off of an absolutely fantastic trip here with the uh, with TRHP Outdoors on the property that Gary uh, Robertson has set up for us. And we're actually at Gary's camp right now, right across the river. So what do y'all think about this property? Oh, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It has all kinds of cool stuff. The history. If, uh, if these hills could talk, <laughs> it'd be an incredible story. No doubt. This is such a great area in terms of history to begin with, with mm -hmm. the Spaniards first coming over, and this really was kind of going to be their big settlement kind of thing. And then the Jim Bowie Lost Mine, the legends of it that are here somewhere of a huge silver mine, and no telling what else is in this part of the world that, that yet to be discovered, or somebody will come across an old legend somewhere, you know, maybe it's stuck in a room somewhere or a trunk and go, oh my gosh, look at this. Look what I found. <laughs> Yeah, you could just get lost out here forever and not really be lost. No, not be lost. But not be lost. You, but, but you could be lost in, in mine for a little while. And, uh, <laughs> right, right. That's oh a fascinating goodness. place, that's for sure. Well, Miss Stephanie, tell me a little bit, tell people a little bit about yourself. And David, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing if you don't mind. But uh, you're very connected to the outdoors, both of you. And how did all that come about in terms of the outdoors and hunting and all well, those other good things. I, I would say that I was pretty much born with my feet in the water because my parents, that was their thing, is fishing. So I grew up just in the water. I mean, my mom said she would put the little swing in the water and my feet would just dip <laughs> back and forth when they would fish off the bank. So right. that was at Lake Grapevine. So I pretty much, that's that was their thing that they did together as a couple. They, they fished together. So if we weren't bank fishing, I, we were, I was in the boat. It, I just grew up with a fishing pole. My first job that I had um, growing up is I would catch brim, and I'd sell them for a quarter each, and for the guys to put on the trot lines, so that the men would come over and I would go and I'd fish for brim, and that's how I met. I think I was probably ten years old, maybe a little bit younger than that, but that was my really first job. So you were a professional fisherman. I was, I, was, I was getting paid to fish, and yeah, it was awesome. But yeah, that was my that that was my thing that I that I would do. You know, during the summers, I would sell brim to the guys for on the trot lines. So I just I've always loved being outside, and I grew up at my grandmother's farm off and on during the weeks, weekends, and the summers, and I just go off and it was a place similar to, to this where you could just get lost and I just I knew I had to be back before dark. Oh yeah. <laughs> just be back before dark and, and that was before technology and any of that other stuff. My my playground was the outdoors. And I still think it I consider it still my playground in a very, very, very good positive way. So then I transitioned from fish well, I still we still fish. We still fish. We actually met fishing. Mm -hmm. So I was fishing with a friend of mine, and then David came fishing with us one time, and we became great friends, and then just kind of blossomed from there. Things but happened. Things just, yeah, just, just we became, we're really, great really, really happen. great, great, great friends, and that's how we met, is fishing. That's our love story, so... <laughs> Well, before we get into some of the hunting thing, David, you're not from Texas originally. No, sir, no, sir. I grew up on a, on a cattle ranch in Kansas, so... Hunting and fishing was uh, pretty much an everyday, uh, you know, sport for me. Right. And 
I, I appreciated it back then, but I even have a greater appreciation for the opportunities that I had because, you know, you can hop on a horse or jump on a three-wheeler with a fishing rod or a rifle or a shotgun and, you know, hunting and fishing was out my front door, out my back door in 360 degrees uh, <laughs> in all directions. So, and uh, it was about 12,000 acres. So, you know, anything from predator hunting, bass fishing, dove hunting, great whitetail deer hunting. Um, it was it was truly a, a blessed to be, be able to, to take advantage of that. What, what part of the state? Uh, it's northwest Kansas. Northwest. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've hunted. I'm trying to remember right in the northwest corner a time or two, and and uh, years ago I spent a fair amount of time in in Kansas uh, on hunts with different friends of mine. And my, I tell people the one thing that I regret, kind of in a way, is that many years ago when Kansas really didn't have a whole lot of white-tailed deer, I was approached by the Kansas Game Department and said. And I was doing a lot of research on whitetail in Texas, and they said, we'd like for you to be our whitetail deer guy. So I went up and visited with a little bit and came home, and about three or four days later, I called and said, you know, I said, I really appreciate the, 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 the interest and the opportunity, but I think I'll stay here in Texas where we've got big whitetail deer. And that was a stupid move because that was when that whitetail herd was just started blossoming, you know. And now it's it's one of the premier whitetail states, and I guess in the world or places to go. Yeah, the genetics there are great, and of course, you know, you don't need food plots there because there's so many crops. Exactly. Uh, you know, milo, alfalfa, wheat, everything is there for them. So you just you just got to figure their travel routes and hunt accordingly. <laughs> hunt accordingly. Well, what about hunting, Miss Stephanie? What, when did you really seriously get started hunting? Well, when I was younger, that was for the men. Men hunted. Women didn't really hunt. So my uncles hunted. My cousins hunted. That they did that. We weren't allowed to do that, which that's not really fair. But no, it wasn't. It wasn't fair. You know that. But I'm over that. I'm not holding any grudges against my uncles or anybody else. But um, David was into into hunting, and so he's pretty much taught me everything that I know about hunting. Anything from shooting a rifle to shooting a handgun. Uh, I've learned I've learned through him. He's, he's an amazing mentor as far as being out in the outdoors. You've really sure. gotten That's, into bow hunting. Oh, I let, yeah. I, bow, I'm, I'm meeting up with bow hunting. I'm completely... It's bad. But I think that's because I want... That's, it's an up-close and personal experience, and I enjoy that. I really, really, really do enjoy being that close to him. Although a long-distance shot is still a challenge very much, as last night. It's very much a challenge. <laughs> hey, it result, five shots into that one hog, and it went, it's making the trip to... Uh, back to Houston, right? Back to Houston land. right yeah. now. Yeah, so it, it might have been five shots before it actually stopped moving, but, you know, I, I hit it. <laughs> well, the distance was a little bit longer until you got right up there finally with a handgun. Mm -hmm. So I'd, I was sitting up there on top where I could see the entire thing. And <laughs> oh, I'm watching the show. Yeah, she's coming up. She gets close. They all <laughs> shot. <laughs> well, he was laying. It was he or she was laying right in that in that grass, so I couldn't get a really clear shot with a handgun right. until I get, I've got right up on her. And I've had a bad experience with a hog charging me that I thought was that was dead completely and so I'm a little bit gun shy on that part and yeah David laid her out right at my feet because she charged me just I wasn't prepared and so that's why I usually always have a have a handgun on me when I approach a hog because you just you don't know it, it, 
You, you can have you really perfect, don't. perfect shot placement. And they are tough. They just don't go down. You're exactly right. This particular uh, issue of uh, DSC's Game Trails, I did a story in the title of which is The Working Man's Grizzly, which is in reference to hunting wild hogs. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a potentially dangerous animal. Mm -hmm. I've been charged by them. I know of at least a couple of people who were killed by hogs, mm -hmm. and I know a lot of them that were cut up by them as well, too. So that potential danger is always there with those things. Oh, I'm, I'm scanning for trees that I can scale very quickly. And where <laughs> right. I was, there were there was no trees no, down in that no, bottom no, 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 that no, I no. could do. So I was very cautious, very, very cautious. And everything's running through all my, my things running through my mind. Of, oh, like, am I doing this right? Okay, okay. Don't get too close. Is it going to charge me? Okay, it's not going to charge me. Okay, I'm good. So you have all that running through <laughs> your mind and that adrenaline pump still and going, okay, I shot at it five times. But then actually seeing, uh, I hit it five times. You did. Right. You did <laughs> and right. it still was not, yeah. So, But it was still fun. Yeah. It was absolutely fun. Absolutely. And I got to use your knife, which was amazing. Well, that's, that's the first thing I handed to David. David says, I need to go get a knife. And I said, no, whoa, 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 please take this one. It's one that we just designed with uh, Silver Stag. And and I've got a, I have a few of them made up every once in a while with my name on it. Mm -hmm. And then I use antlers or horn i've got some of both from antlers and from uh deer that i've taken and then also uh the horn comes from a um, buffalo out of australia that i took as well mm -hmm. too so but th to me they're fun I, I i love knives and all those kind of things but uh, you, you mentioned the bow hunting thing in in getting close why why is that so interesting of trying of getting close I, it's a challenge i like to i like to be just where they don't even know that I'm there. I want to be invisible, and I want that up close and and personal. Just watching them, seeing how they. I might not even shoot one. I just want to be and learn more about them. I'm completely 100% fascinated with whitetail and the way that they communicate and they operate. It to me, it's just so fa it's fascinating, and I I learn something every time I'm out and watching. Every time. I don't have to, to, to take anything. I don't have to harvest a deer every year. I don't. I don't have to. I enjoy just sitting up in a tree and just watching. And and being, this this last year with COVID, got to spend a whole lot of time out at the ranch. And so we got to see, or I did, the full cir circle from fawn drop to losing spots to button buck to being kicked off, Mama says, "No more. I'm done." <laughs> I got to I got to experience that whole thing, and it was to me that was a priceless. Even though it was a horrible time for everyone, we made the best of it, and I learned a lot in that time period. I got to use a lot of really cool products that that I didn't really know if they would truly truly work, and they did. So I, I like that part of it, and figuring out the science behind it, and the scent elimination being in, invisible and hiding my, just completely hiding myself. I, I could get within maybe 10 feet of a whitetail and they would just, I would be up in a tree and they'd just sit down at the bottom and they just didn't care that I was there. They didn't know I was there. And I, I just, I find that very, very, very fascinating. I love it. I love it. It's a challenge. I, I think that's one of the beauties of, of hunting with a bow, but I mean, I, I, I hunted with a bow, and mm -hmm. people asked, Larry, did you ever hunt with a bow? And I said, yeah, and then I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> but I shot my old butt last year with a bow many, many years ago. And, and uh, But I love the same thing, what you're talking about, is when you're bow hunting, it's an opportunity to 
or it's a forced opportunity to wait for that animal to get into that particular range or whatever your range is that you feel comfortable with and mm -hmm. that gives you an opportunity to, to learn about that animal see how it reacts to or she reacts to different things mm -hmm. as opposed to oh my god there's a deer bang you know mm -hmm. and the but even with a rifle, you can wait for them to get closer, or with a handgun, which is right. one of the reasons I love to hunt handguns with them. Oh, absolutely. But the I, I, I like a long shot, too, but I, I like the, the close because I get to watch how they interact with each other. Right. I love that. I love watching them interact, whether it's the, it's the, the yearlings or... It's does. They're in there whacking each other for no reason. I don't know why. And they're just, they're going, yeah, to this year... I saw more of the does fighting than I have ever in the past. And I don't know really that what that's about either. Well, we're wondering if maybe, maybe it's the products. Maybe it's the nexus to the, the, the scents that we're using. It's yeah, that, that could be it too. But I mean. Maybe a little bit more aggressive behavior out of them. Mm -hmm. Well, definitely on, on the, the bucks, they were way more right. aggressive. But even the does were more aggressive this year. It's interesting. Usually it, it's a hierarchy thing more so mm -hmm. than anything else, but you're right. I had not really kind of thought of it in that respect that maybe because of the different sense, particularly with the pre-orbital and the mm -hmm. uh, curiosity and, you know, the, even the doing heat type stuff, mm -hmm. uh, that that very well may have triggered something with them to where they stand up on their hind legs and go to whacking at each oh, other. Oh, they, they, they just were. More, I saw more of that, and I usually spend a whole lot of time in the tree, right. or spotting and stalking. And I didn't, I've never seen that before. Not like that, not to that capacity. Well, and with the bucks, I think the sparring was more intense, oh. and I think it was earlier in the season. Mm -hmm. And then when it was when it was game on for the rut, that when the the bucks, we had some some pretty pretty severe injuries to some well, of those bucks out there. The other one just, had the compound fracture on his back, left leg yeah so he was limping and he had because he was limping that one the one bigger buck that's the older one that the, the kind yes. of the wide the wide a with kicker on the back yes. he rammed him because he couldn't run <laughs> so he was getting picked yeah. on and he was a nice he was, he was a nice 10 he, he was just standing there and he wasn't doing anything he was he just posturing he, nah. he just he didn't have his ears back nothing hair wasn't standing but the wide egg with the kicker, he rammed him. His hair was, it was his, his ears pinned back, hair bristled up. He turned a completely different color. He went from being a light color to a dark color, and that was it. I mean, he just rammed that deer, and I was like, oh, do I save the deer that's getting beat, or do I just watch nature? And I've watched nature, and yeah. I don't regret no. that choice. No. But it will be interesting to see what happens with the compound fracture right. one because he is still around. So yeah, he's, there is something that we have never figured out about a break in a hind leg, a bone, where every year thereafter there is a deformity in that antler on the opposite side. Mm -hmm. Front leg break can go either side, mm -hmm. but back leg, and then, of course there's a turn, there's a crossover. Your left side of the brain controls sure. the right side, and you know mm -hmm. vice versa. Years ago, we did a lot of research on that. There, there's seven primary nerves that run down a deer's back leg. Mm. And so we went in and serially clipped every combination that we could out of the, which is, was a lot of deer. Mm -hmm. And no matter what we did with that, with clipping the nerves to one, to any combination to all of them, didn't have any effect. But you could go in there and with the tiniest fracture in that hind leg, somewhere in that hind, le in that hind leg, and then that antler on the other side would be deformed. 
And that just breaks my heart because he's a, he was a nice 10-point, too young to take. Right. Definitely too young to take, but he, yeah, it, it'll just from well, that. You know, I, kind of the cool thing about that, though, is hopefully the, the neighbors are not going to get onto him, but mm-hmm. if he has that deformity as well he should, it's not going to affect his genetics in any form or fashion. So you're going to be able to, if that one antler has got some really good unique oh, unique did. side to it you know uh, the good side mm-hmm. you know it's one of those bucks that you might want to leave just as a potential brood animal more mm-hmm. so and that would be a, an easy mark for him to because the other side maybe should be messed up should be should be yeah and he was he's beautiful he's just too he was just too young he need he needed a couple of more years and in a couple more years he'll be he'll be very impressive mm-hmm. I mean, very very he's just too young but Boy, that compound fracture just that broke my heart. I mean, it was you could see it from you know 50 yards away. You bone sticking out. I mean, they can be absolutely vicious amongst themselves. Mm -hmm. I get tickled every once in a while. Somebody says, Well, you know, they just kind of bring their heads together and kind of push around. No, (laughs) no, when it's on, they they don't mind trying to kill each other. Mm -mm. And and the fights are absolutely amazing sometimes. Mm -hmm. I've watched fights last between mature bucks last for maybe. Five ten seconds to eight nine hours to where they're out of breath and you can hear them go <sighs> and their heads are together and all of a sudden one of them catches his breath and by God the fight's on again because <laughs> that one buck doesn't need buck wants to give up because if he does and turns and runs he's going to get poked in the rear by yeah. you know so I think that's kind of the incentive beyond the ego side you got to whip me boy. <laughs> well, and these are these are, are are deer that are in bachelor groups they're all buddies right then oh, yeah. all of a sudden. It's the rut comes and the ladies step in, it, and there's some serious chaos it, it, going on. It really, truly is, and that's what's interesting to me too. From mm-hmm. when you were talking about the beauty of it is because you have various age classes. Mm-hmm. So really, with what you're able to do this past year, is, like I said, what from the time they were born, mm-hmm. not necessarily the same deer, but the different age classes all the way through to see how they react and right, mm-hmm. right. deal with each other, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Oh, it was it was amazing. It truly was. If I could be and just be somewhere, that's where, that's where I'd be. That's a, it's a happy place. I have a couple of happy places. I love fishing, love being out on the water, mm-hmm. love being with my family. But that it, as a happy place, that's where I'd, I, I'd like to just exist. I just, it's just, it's, I, I love it. I, I, there's not anything about it that I don't enjoy. I can't think of anything, anything from, you know, plowing the fields, mowing the grass, putting the food plots in, all the work that you put in to get to the point of harvest. I enjoy all of that. That's to me, if I don't, I, I didn't have that. I don't think I would appreciate, I, I wouldn't appreciate it. And I'll, I'll, I can kick that back to taking blaze out there to hunt. Mm-hmm. And we had done all the work with the food plots and it was going to be his first, first first buck right and this nice young 10 point steps out and he wants to shoot it of course but the way that we feel about it is he has not earned the right to take that buck you have to put the work in you have to put the time in you don't just get to take a deer just because it stepped out in front of you he had to earn that right to take the deer he did end up taking a deer that was appropriate for him right. as an eight or ten, it was ten at that time, right? Ten. Mm-hmm. Ten. He did end up taking a nice buck for his age group and appropriate for the work that he put in. And he understood it after that. He put the work in, 
then you have to you, you earn the right to and take probably appreciated it and more. And he will appreciate as he gets older, he will appreciate where the start came from mm -hmm. and how he started more so than. And I so very often that when I was working in South Texas as a biologist, we were working with different ranches, and the family would bring down an eight nine year old son or daughter, and they wanted to kill the biggest buck on the ranch. And I'd go, uh, you might not want to do that, because I've always felt kind of the same. I started my daughters and off and my grandsons off, and the smallest of the bucks, mm -hmm. you know, the does, and then eventually kind of let them build up to something that was a little bit more respectful, res mm -hmm. respected maybe by others, and, and, you know, as far as antlers are concerned. But so very often I saw those same people, they'd bring their son or daughter down or grandchild, whatever it was, and they'd kill two of the three biggest bucks that they're ever going to kill in their life. And, you know, Where do you four go years that? later, they could have cared less about mm -hmm. coming in. So, right, right. I mean, if you go from the first time, the huge, I mean, where do you go from that? You can't, no. they've already done it. It's like, yeah. okay, well, I've already done that. Yeah. Uh, I'm done with it. I want I want him to appreciate those things, and I can, and that can transition to anything in life. Anything worth having is you have to work hard for. It. That's that's the way. That's just the way. I think both of we both were raised that way. Absolutely, absolutely. And so you make that three of us. It <laughs> <laughs> was the same way where I was. We did the same thing with our daughters, and, and the, my daughters have done basically the same thing with their kids. You know, mm -hmm. kind of thing. And there's absolutely, there's nothing wrong with that. Working hard, I think the end results are way more gratifying and the life lessons that you learn through it, priceless. Tell me a little bit, since you had the opportunity this year and, and to particularly play around with some of the TRHP outdoor scents, mm -hmm. tell me of some of the experiences there. And I know that you've got footage from because y'all spent a lot of time with the video camera this year as well, too. We put out... Uh, I think I had 10 trail cams going at one time and I did all video because since we were out there, I could change out the cards more often. Right. So we had trail cams going on every scrape that I had that they were working. So if they, they made a scrape, then we would either respond with the Texas race hunting products back to them. So right. we would either put it in their scrape or I'd make another scrape next to it, depending upon what time of season it was, what kind of, action that they did on the camera were they aggressive with it did they rip the branch down did they just munch on the on the the foliage that was underneath it then i would communicate appropriately back with whatever product that i needed to use it was and i you're, you're right david that's the aggression that that we saw that it had to be the pheromones in the products it, it has to be yeah, it pumped I'm, them up. I'm convinced it, it it definitely increased their aggression so they they're they're thinking that there's another dominant buck in the area, and they're exactly, yeah. mm -hmm. they're gonna they're gonna knock some branches off. They're gonna they're gonna probably poke a hole in their buddy. They're gonna do something <laughs> because they that's their area, and that's that's their yeah their their does. But I think that definitely from all of the time that we spent out there, it has to be it has to be the products. Well, they work. They, they do. And, uh, I think I, I told Larry this story last night about, you know, the early season bow hunt, that deer that ultimately ended up killing with a rifle. I hunted him, you know, a, a good bit with a bow, but I just couldn't get him to come in during, during shooting hours, but, uh, and he wasn't coming, coming all the way in. So I, I, I hunted out of a ground blind, but I brushed it in. So I, I hand built it, brushed it in. Um, and I put a, a mock scrape probably four or five feet away from me. 
and sprayed the area, you know, sprayed myself down with Scent Guardian, the area was Scent Guardian, mm -hmm. and then used some of the other uh, deer lures, uh, specifically the Scrape King and, and the Pre-Orbital together and built that mock scrape. And, and I had deer 360 degrees around me, mm -hmm. as close as five feet. Um, because I had a trail on the left side of me that was going to the food plot. I had the scrape on the right of me, uh, you know, the mock scrape on the right of me, and then the deer where they bedded and they make their transition to the to the food plot was basically right around me. And I, I never got winded one time. And I would sit there and think, at some point, these deer are going to blow, and they're going to go, and they, they just never did. No, no, and it swirls there. It, where, it, it, where you it where you built that in, it, it's it's constantly swirling. It absolutely so does. It, having that having that product, it helps you not have to really. You always are taught to hunt the wind, and you try to do that to the best. But you know, don't necessarily have to with this. It allowed you to right. to hunt in the middle of the food plot, which we've never done before. <laughs> we've never hunted in no. the middle of the food plot. No. And I mean, whereas before, you know, you'd have to calculate, okay, where, where, where's my wind coming from today? Well, I can't hunt that stand. I can't hunt that blind. Yeah. The, this takes that out of the equation. You don't have to worry about that. Mm -mm. No. You, you spray scent guardian, put it on, and you just go. I remember you sent me a video, and you went all the way around, and I was, where are you? <laughs> I did. I I'm like, where? I, because I was on the couch. Right. I had COVID, so right. he was out hunting. And, and he sent me, you sent me the video, and you went all the way around, and I couldn't figure out where you were. Right. Because you weren't in the blind, you weren't in a tree, and then when you when you went back and showed me where you were, I was like, "There's no way. There's there's no way that you were that close to them, and they were just they were everywhere." Mm -hmm. I mean, if, I think if you probably could have counted, I could probably go back on the video and count. There were at least twenty. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there were uh, there, there were between eighteen and twenty-two deer that would hit that food plot. Mm -hmm. Every night, but they were all around you. They were, as a matter I mean, of like fact, close to you. Right, as a matter of fact, there was a, a spike that was probably about six yards behind me, and he was he was raking the brush. He was he was making a rub, <laughs> and you hear him back there thrashing. And you know, again, like we talked about, the wind swirls back there, but he he had no idea it was there. No, none. Never looked at me. Never, never. No nose. No noses going. And just. I, I love Scent Guardian. I, I mean, I've been using it. Well, you have too, but I used it hardcore when we were guiding. And I wouldn't yeah. take anybody out unless they hose down with Scent Guardian. I'm like, if you want to increase your odds of of being able to spot and stalk this deer, you you, you will hose down with this. Or I we just, you know. Well, you've got that great story on that stag hunt, mm -hmm. that archery hunt. Yeah, he's, he, yeah, that was, we had whitetail all up underneath the tree. And he was skeptical too he's like i can't believe you're gonna make me <laughs> you're making a make me just make me do but what? if you if if because we went out and scouted and looked for the the stag before um you know a couple of days before to pick out which one do you really like mm -hmm. there are a couple of different ones that were of, of proper age and so he had picked one that he or a couple that that he was he would be right. very very happy and would consider a trophy for him and and they were they were they were beautiful so I said, if you want the best opportunity, and we're going to sit in this, in, in, and I know I'm patterning, they're, they're coming over, they're coming through this. If, if you'll just trust me and, and just spray down with it. He's like, okay. Okay. So, okay. He's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm hunting with a girl, and it's, she's a guide. I'm going to listen to her. Okay. He ended up, he, he was really, uh, he, was, he, was, uh, he, was, he was probably one of the best hunters that I got to hunt with. 
I mean, he, because he was bow hunting, which is still, I mean, you have to get pretty close. He was good out to, I want to say like 120 yards. He was, he was a very good bow hunter. And that's one thing I checked before I took yes. him out. Yes. <laughs> Done trust but verify. Are you really good to 120? Or he had a, had a really cool Garmin scope on there that had the um, rangefinder on it. So that was that was very nice to have. So we we knew how how far that that he could go with it. But we had deer all underneath us, and he kept going. I can't. I can't believe this. Can't believe this. Yeah. I can't believe this. <laughs> Thank you for making me. When you have that, you have a lot of video of that. I do. I, I, I have, and they were, they were, they were any, they weren't any really truly mature shooter bucks, or that I would shoot. Right. But they were nice Steel. deer, yeah. and they were, they had no idea that that we were there. And the, and the one that was mature, he didn't even, he didn't know that we were there. And they were right up underneath the tree. It was a huge, just beautiful, beautiful tree, and they just were all up underneath us. And I had cleared out a shooting lane that this was the night before or the, the evening before. Cleared out a nice shooting lane because we didn't have too many bow hunters. And so there was no reason really to clear out that lane right. unless we need, you know, we had a, a bow hunter. And that was where I, I knew that I would take somebody that was, that was bow hunting. So I cleared out a lane, cleared the, the, the branches off, ready to go on that part of it. And, I mean, we were, like, wide open. I mean, you could see us. Because I knew that he he could go 120, and he was he was good to 120, and I was comfortable with him taking a 120 shot. So, and he ended up at, at right at 80 yards. But yeah, they we were right out in the open, and they just didn't see us. That, that to me, as we you, you were talking, I recall several rattling instances and all that kind of thing. And that's one of the things that I've noticed about that product, among other things, is is that you can get by with a whole lot more than you ever mm -hmm. thought you would imaginable. Mm -hmm. And the animals have a tendency to stay around longer because they're not winding you. And mm -hmm. so you can wait for that appropriate mm -hmm. angle as far as right. what shots you're going to take mm -hmm. or that you feel comfortable with. Or for that matter, as you just mentioned, what mm -hmm. distance you're comfortable with. And they, they stayed until the stag, the red stag came in. They stayed. They did, they did not spook off from us. The only only reason that they left from underneath and they were they were eating, I, I don't know if they were eating acorns or, or what they were munching on, but they were eating something up underneath the trees, and they they only left because the others came in. Right. And they knew to they better get out of there. <laughs> it was that was their area because we could hear reds. They were just tearing up brush. Just we, we knew they were coming in. So. That's the adrenaline coming in from that part, too. I love that. But they didn't know that we were there either. Well, I think that, you know, using the same guardian, the, the animals just appear more relaxed, more relaxed yeah. when they Calmer, come in. They're relaxed, not, you know, yes. they're, they're, they're not posting up, you know, at the edge of the food plot, scanning, looking, smelling. They're, they're, they're committed to going because mm -hmm. to them there is no threat in the area. Right, right, so right. It's, it, uh, the advantages are, are are great the product works excellent well and you, when you're bow hunting i mean you have to have that smooth draw and and there was no i mean he, he was smooth draw there was no they didn't they just didn't see us <laughs> it was it, just it is it's like you or do not exist mm -hmm. i mean exactly and i've never edge. seen that competitive edge yes 
it just it, it does it and, and bow hunters they're really competitive oh yes <laughs> it's a different oh, yes. you, and you can be a bow hunter you can be a rifle hunter both but if you're truly like committed to to bow hunting i mean it's a different it's a, just a, it's a whole lot different so yeah it, to give to give you that competitive edge where you can get cl closer to make that perfect shot it's shot placement and if you, if you can get that perfect shot placement it's golden it is. The animal doesn't go very far, and you've done your job as far as I'm concerned of trying to put that animal down as quickly, humanely, as earthly possible. And yes, that is important to me. Yes. I don't want to see anything suffer. I don't. No, no, me either. I, mm -hmm. No. Uh, I have no desire to see that, and I don't want anybody else to no. cause that kind of a situation no, either. No, sir. Not at all. I like the, the, a good shot placement, and this allows, it, gives, it does, it gives you a little bit more time to be selective on, you know, and I'm, I really... I'm not going to take that shot. Right. I'm just going to wait. Right. I'm just going to wait. And it gave, when I was guiding, it gave me the comfortability of being able to say, hold, just wait. Wait. Just wait. wait because wait. I'm going to get you that better shot. I'm, I'm going to, you just, just wait. Just hold off. You don't have to rush the shot. Let's just, just hold off. We're going to wait. And so, therefore, I was a, a more successful guide as right. well because I was able to put them on, on animals that they were able to take one shot. Yeah, it wasn't like you say, wait, wait, mm -hmm. and then the animal is gone. Gone. No, it was, which, it was which, wait, which, wait, <laughs> and then they just perfect angle to the side. And I'm like, okay, whenever you're ready, smooth, steady, pressure, trigger, go. And down they went. You've got some great guide stories. I'm wondering, have you ever told... Larry, the story about <laughs> don't. George? No, I don't. No, I don't want to talk about George. <laughs> I don't talk about George. Oh, you George. You tell that story. It's a great story. George, George, George. <laughs> Usually, if you name something, you don't shoot it. Right, right. Or, you know, you don't. Well, that's the way I have. If I, I, I name it, they're pretty safe. <clears throat> if I mm -hmm. name something, like a really good name, if I just say Wide Eight with Kicker in the back, I mean, he's probably not safe. He's not on the same yeah. list. I understand that, yeah. <laughs> or he's basket top with, you know, two, ki two kicks left, right, and just like this. If I, if I name them, like, technical, then they're not safe. But if I give you a name, then you're safe. So, George, he's he's on the list. He's he's supposed to be a breeder ostrich. That's what George was on the ranch. He was supposed to be a breeder ostrich. And not supposed to be aggressive. He came from a, a ranch and or that was a breeding ranch. And they thought that he was being brought to the ranch for a hunt, for somebody to shoot right. within the next like couple of weeks. Right. They had no intentions of George being a breeder ostrich at all. So they had called to check on George and see how the hunt went with him. And they said, well, what do you mean? We're, George is a breeder ostrich. And they're like, oh, no, George is not a breeder ostrich. He's supposed to be hunted. He's very aggressive. And, and I experienced very much aggression from George. So we were on one side of the fence, and it was in a, a, we were protected inside of an, like an eight-foot fence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he was on the other side of the eight-foot fence. And so they, told, they, they kept telling me, if you, are, if you can act like you are taller than him, hold your rifle above, hold anything, and just act like you're taller than him, He'll be fine. He, he'll, he's going to go away. He'll be intimidated. Not this ostrich. Not George. George was special. He was very special. George was very special. So David, David's tall. Very, very tall. 
We get up to the fence. George is face to face with David. He holds the rifle up. George is uh uh-uh. uh. He's hissing. He's mad. He's pecking through the through the through the yep. fence. And we're going okay. George is not right. George is definitely not right. So I had that kind of false sense. I'm like, yeah, George is fine. He's not. He's not going to mess with me. And they kept telling me, Stephanie, if George comes at you, you're going to have to shoot him. And I'm like, I'm not shooting George. I've named him. I'm not shooting George. George is not going down. I'm not shooting George. He's safe. He's going to be good. He's going to like me. I can make him like me. He's going to make George my friend. She's going to rehabilitate him. I'm going to rehabilitate George (laughs) and make him my friend. And no, that's not how that happened. That did not go down that way. The night before, George was going across the field and he wouldn't move. And I'm honking at him like, George, if you don't get out of the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. I roll my window down and I yell at him. And he finally, he hissed at me and then he took off. I'm like, okay, George, you better watch out. I'm going to shoot you. And I was just, you know, yeah. So that night, David pulls up a video of an ostrich charging someone. And because of their, that, that middle claw or I'm not sure what the terminology of what that is it can kicks forward and slash you from here all the way down and you're done yes like completely done and I think it did you tell me who was it I think it was I think it was Johnny Cash I think he he had a pet ostrich that it did his belt buckle they got sideways and split him down the belt buck belt was the only thing that kept him from completely getting eviscerated so David showed me the video. I'm like, okay, I'll be careful. I won't mess with George. I'll stay away from George if that will make you happy. And I'm like, I'm not really thinking about it. So I'm, I'm we're hunting a, a hemsbok, and so we're, we're on the hemsbok, and I, it's just that's where we are. I, and I, I'm taking out a, a great gentleman from New York, and he's just, he's, he's awesome. And I'd take him hunting anytime. He's just, he's, he was great. It was a great hunt. So we're on a group of, of hemsock, and we have the one that we that, that's mature that we want. That's the one we're taking. So we're waiting to get in his comfort, his range that he can shoot because it needed to be real close. It needed to be up close and personal for the hemsock for him. So as we're waiting, I see George, and I'm like, oh, no. "Okay, George, you're about I range him <laughs> 200 yards. Okay, I'm good. We're good. George is over there." I'm like, okay, now you see George over there, so we're just going to watch George, and you know we may need to back out, you know, but we're we're waiting on him to come in. We're just waiting, and we're we're backing behind the brush. George doesn't see us, and all of a sudden here comes George. He's moving closer and closer and closer and closer, and then all of a sudden he turns and he looks at us, and just starts running oh like goodness. really fast yes. towards us. And I'm like, I'm yelling, no, George, don't, <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. And my hunter, um, he was like, are you going to shoot him or am I going to shoot him? I said, you're not shooting him because you've already missed twice. So you're definitely not shooting him because this, this is the second time we've been on this. Like, you have you shot over the top of him, under him. So no, the answer's no on that. I'm, I'm going to shoot George, if I have to, but I'm not going to shoot George. He goes, he's getting pretty close. I go, he's George. So I put my gun up on my sticks and that was it for George. He he did a little bit of serpentine, serpentine, and I, feathers everywhere. There were so many feathers everywhere that you couldn't even, he couldn't even be mounted. 
You couldn't. They couldn't even make a mound out of George. <laughs> just might just blow him up. People have no idea how aggressive they can be. I, I, I know several people that, with that front mm-hmm. toe, whatever they call claw, mm-hmm. claw, whatever, that were severely injured by them. Thirty yards is um, where I, is is where I I was yeah, like, okay, no, I can't. He's not gonna stop. No, he's he not stopping. Have. He wouldn't. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, I had to take George down before I was able to rehabilitate him. George, I, I, I was out with another another hunter, and she come on the radio. She was. I had to kill George, <laughs> and everybody. And then it was and like, I, I had a sense of relief because I, I you know, I, I didn't like being out in that same pasture no, with that bird. No, no, because you know they cover a lot of ground in a short amount of time. They do, and the thing about it is, you could be on a stalk, you know, mm-hmm. totally, almost mesmerized by what's in front of you, mm-hmm. and then have them come up, something like that, come up and back. And, yeah, flank you. Know, you got to think about your client in those situations mm-hmm. as well, too. And we were nowhere close to the truck. We yeah. were nowhere because we had we had walked a good distance from from the truck. There was no way, even at two hundred yards, I could have gotten my client back to the truck at two hundred yards. I couldn't have no. because he just it just took a while for us to get there. Right. So exactly. yeah, and. That's okay. I didn't mind it for it taking us a while to get there, but I didn't want it to take a while to get back. <laughs> and then George get catches from the back and has to end up. It just. I was hoping that George would just turn and go, and he just didn't. He turned and here he comes. Here he comes. Well, I mean, you're Hunter. I mean, he truly believes you probably saved his life. Yes, he did. And he probably did. Yeah. Quite frankly, he, or at, at least some, both of you. Yeah, or at least some very severe mm-hmm. injuries and in time in the hospital and rehabilitation. And he had a great story to go back to tell. Oh his my people God! In did New York. He ever? <laughs> I went to Texas, and you will not believe what happened to me. I was hot. I was honey. I was like. I'm sure the the whole uh, I missed a couple times. Dad didn't come up, but uh, the ostrich story I'm sure will stick with them oh, forever. And they were the, they were just the greatest group of men, and they took they take trips every year and go to different places and hunt together. That's that's what they've done since oh, they that's were little. A great idea. And so they just they either there are four of them, mm-hmm. and now the son joined mm-hmm. and joined them. It's almost like he's not their babe, definitely not their caretaker, but he just wants to make sure that they're. They're okay. And I think, actually, really, he wanted to hunt with them. Yeah. Because they were cool. They were very, very I very, could imagine. They were very cool. But, yeah, there's the, that's the George story. He's done. He's gone. <laughs> but I refused to eat him. <laughs> that was, I drew the line on that. I was like, that's I, where the line was drawn in the sand. Right? Yeah, I'm just like, I can't. I just, we had an emotional relationship, George and I did. <laughs> Oh, well, before we close this thing down and hit the road, both of us, our, all three of us, have got a long way to get back home from this campfire <laughs> that we've been at. Tell me how the best way, or tell our listeners the best way to, to stay up with you. Well, you can you can find me on on Instagram or Facebook. I, I'm Huntress underscore Texas, so you can find me on Instagram there, and just Huntress Texas on Facebook. Um, you can also I I work for Texas Rays Hunting Products, now known as TRHP Outdoors. Um, I do all their marketing, so I'm also on that page as well. So you can find me on a couple of different places. And, um, yeah, come and hang out with me sometime. I would love that. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you all so very much for joining me today and all of our guests. Our, our guest, we got one more. Go ahead. I'm, I'm stuttering and stammering. So I am just saying that I can't believe I'm sitting here with you right now. <laughs> Why? Because 
You're, it's just like pinch me. Oh my gracious! I've just it is because I have, and I have people tell me that I can't. I, I you're so lucky. You get to you get to to be in to talk to talk to him. You get to you get to you get to learn something from. I'm like I I know I can't believe it either. So thank you. Well, thank you because I feel the same way. I'm, I'm, I'm just, and by I'm, the way, Stephanie does all by <laughs> by my Facebook and also my Instagram. And uh, thank you very much for doing that oh, because if you didn't it. do it, it wouldn't get done. <laughs> I enjoy it. So thank you for for choosing me to be a part of your journey as well. It is a pleasure. Pleasure and honor, and as I said, the more I spend time around you two, the more I want to spend time around you two. <laughs> Feelings mutual. Yeah, Thank you so much, yeah. so very much for joining us today, and we'll be back here, right back here again, very soon next week at DSC's campfires. Thank y'all for joining us. Thanks for joining us around the campfire. To leave a comment or suggestion for an upcoming episode, go to Instagram at Larry Wysoon Outdoors. Please join me right here next week for another DSC's Campfires. DSC's Campfires with Larry Wysoon has also been brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association. Working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Texas raised hunting products. The Scent Gods. Can attract boots for the trails less traveled. Voight, the finest in hunting gear. Pyramid Air for all things air gun. And Ripcord Rescue Travel Protection. Oh my god! <laughs> Every once in a while it's fun to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish. This is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here. From the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters, enjoy the best fishing Panama City Beach has to offer during Chasing the Sun. Sundays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up in the sky.